Hey, welcome to Pages, Projects, and Other Stuff. Compelling ideas and permission to play. Hosted by Stacy Julian. That, my friends, is proof that I have wanted to have a podcast for many, many years. I am Stacy Julian, and this is episode 56 of Exactly Enough Time. podcast is about being present. It is also about living playfully and other things like curiosity, awareness, and connection. I am a life enthusiast and a believer, and I love to talk about people, places, and things. Listen up. I think you're going to find inspiration for living your life and telling your story because you have exactly enough time. Happy podcast day. I am super happy to be back with you. Thank you for helping me celebrate a year of exactly enough time last week. So it's true. I've been listening to podcasts for a very long time. I want to say 2005-ish or six. I was introduced to Todd Henry and his podcast, The Accidental Creative. My second dedicated listen was probably Grammar Girl because I was editor of a magazine and not very confident in my editing skills, my writing skills. But anyway, I have one, I would say one of the very best things I've ever done in my career as a creative professional is to look for, find, and learn from mentors. Find people that I think are inspirational and knowledgeable and um, people that I deem successful. I read books. Now I listen to books more than I read them. Um, I read blogs. I listen to podcasts. Hello. Um, Some of the time I know these um, mentors personally. Most of the time I do not. I do pretend to know them though. I like to refer to them by their first name, you know, around my house. So if I hear something that they say, then in conversation, I'll be like, well, you know, Todd says that the difference between ego and confidence is blah, 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 blah. (laughs) My husband looks at me and says, who's Todd again? And I go, oh, you know, Todd Henry. He does that podcast that I listen to. But for real, I am going to talk about Todd Henry today, and I'm going to share one of the things that I learned from him that has been super helpful to me for a very long time. So if you're not familiar with Todd Henry, he is an author, an international speaker, consultant, and advisor. He is the author of four books, which have been translated into more than a dozen languages. He consults and speaks through his consultancy, which is called Accidental Creative, and I'll put links in the show notes, Todd often says that he is the arms dealer for the creative revolution. The goal of his company is to equip creative people to be brilliant, prolific, and healthy. I love that. I'm especially fond of Todd because he teaches principles that I can 
if I work at it, internalize, right? They can help me make a difference in my personal life or my work life or both. So one of the things, and this is actually, I started with that little intro um, and that was my husband's voice introducing me. So 2009, I took the leap from having a type pad blog to having a full-fledged website. I paid someone to design a website and stacyjulian.com came into existence. One of the things I wanted to do with my website was have a podcast, but I really didn't know what that, I didn't know how to do it, which, you know, I do a lot of things I don't know how to do, (laughs) but it wasn't as easy, certainly back in 2009 to publish and syndicate or whatever that word is, a website. I mean, I mean a podcast, Um, but I did record audio files and I, and I put them on my website and I called them a podcast. And then I had all my kids and my husband line up and they recorded introductions to each of my little episodes. And honestly, I think I had a total of four episodes. 2009 was also the, the year that things began to unravel for me in terms of health and vitality. And we've talked about that before episode 38, but anyway, One of the podcasts that I produced back in 2009 was about creative growth. It was something that I had learned by reading um, Todd's book and listening to his podcast. So, and he had already helped me understand so much, right? At the time I I was fulfilling dual roles. I was still acting as founding editor of Simple Scrapbooks magazine, and I was um, owner and founder of Big Picture Scrapbooking. And that was a lot. And so he taught me about creative rhythm, which is made up of elements that include time, energy, stimulus, focus, and relationships. And I know that doesn't mean a whole lot, But as I learned about those principles from him, I began to understand that there's this thing called creative growth, right? And that's what I wanted and needed. I knew that for me to stay um, relevant in the industry that I love so much that I needed to know how to create creative growth. And that's what I want to talk about to you today. I'm basically going to reproduce this topic, this podcast that I created back in 2009. Okay. So I need you to know that this information is Todd Henry's information, but I have adapted it to, um, to my audience, which I believe is primarily female and eager to engage in a creative process that might include memory keeping, scrapbooking, storytelling, whatever it is you want to call it. It's the art and practice of documenting life. And please know that if you're not a woman or a paper crafter, you're more than welcome to stay. Keep listening because this is super good stuff, totally applicable to anyone who's pursuing um, a more vibrant, healthy, creative life. Okay. And just so you know, from the get-go in the show notes for today's episode, I have provided an illustration of what I'm going to share with you called the creative growth curve. Okay. It's at stacyjulian.com. You click on podcast and then you go down and click on episode 56. And there, there will be all of the notes, links to books, to Todd's resources and to, um, and other things that I think you will find helpful. Okay. So my hope is that as I explain this 
growth curve, um, the things that I share with you will feel familiar. They, they felt familiar for me the first time that I heard them and then began to really think about them and incorporate them. So what I'm going to do is describe stages of creative growth or um, phases, okay, that we tend to move through as we find, pursue, and begin a practice that is some kind of creative expression or passion. So keep in mind that these stages I described, they're not prescriptive, which means um, you can't you can't force yourself to fit into any one you know stage or phase, right? But but think of them as being just descriptive, and by that I mean try not to make yourself yeah fit too neatly into a specific phase, but rather listen and learn and see if you recognize times or experiences in your life when you have felt the feelings um, or experienced the markers that I'm talking about. Okay, so let's dive right in. Personal creative growth always starts with a seed of discovery, okay? You follow a curiosity, something that you're like, hey, what's that? Or you see someone doing something, or you pick up a magazine, or you hear a news story, or you whatever it is, however you bump into it, you discover something that piques curiosity inside of you, and it develops into an interest, what, what you find feels like a bit of a solution. This is the beginning of discovery phase. And you guys, it's almost like a new romance. You, as, as you begin to discover this thing, you kind of eat, eat, drink, and sleep it, right? It's just like all you can think about and do. As soon as you have time, you're like, okay, I got to go learn more about whatever. So you find YouTube channels and you search hashtags on Instagram and you find people who have accounts about this thing. That, that's what they do on Instagram. And you find online stores um, and an Etsy shop. And maybe there are blogs. And there might even be, as you become more familiar, you might start to recognize the same names, people. They might, they, you know, that are very good at this thing that you're discovering, right? Um, there are actual maybe personal brands that are dedicated to promoting this thing or this effort. So when you discover it and you begin to truly explore, what you experience seems like an answer, right? To all of your inner yearnings, <laughs> okay? So I've talked about it before, but the first time I experienced, you know, stamping at a stamp party. I was like, whoa, right? It was very much like, this is what I want to do. So discovery phase is something new, enters your awareness, your life. You follow this curiosity. It builds into an interest. This interest creates a lot of excitement in you. Discovery phase is almost like the early stages of a new relationship or a romance. Okay, so whether it's photography, podcasting, scrapbooking, you know, cooking, whatever it is, whatever creative pursuit it is, you're just like so full of enthusiasm and commitment. And you can't imagine in, in just a short while, you can't imagine how you lived your life thus far without this thing that you recently discovered. It's that good. It's that cool, right? And then... <clears throat> kind of at the same time, 
you become acutely aware that there is a whole lot to know. And there are um, tools you need to have, right? And um, skills that maybe you need to acquire. So you begin to transition from this excitement of um, kind of naive, you know, sense of discovery, you begin to move into a phase that is emulation or imitation, okay? Todd has called it both things in the past. But you are now, you feel super committed, like you're 100%, I'm all in. But you're not really sure how. <laughs> At this point, you've just done a whole lot of absorbing. You haven't done a, you haven't done a lot of, um, of producing, okay? You, um, you begin, like I said, begin to be acutely aware of limitations, okay, of this new discovery. Like it takes time and it's going to cost some money. And you, you do have to acquire some new skills or at least get better at, you know, maybe you have some intuition and some natural ability, but you're like, whoa, I really need to understand design better or whatever it is, right? So then you're like, okay, it's good. I, I'm, I'm in and I'm going to start, yeah, I'm going to budget for this and I'm going to get the tools I need and the products and it's still super, super exciting. Um, there are so many people that seem to know and do things, um, quote unquote, better than you. So you begin to really research and invest the time and the effort and the means, right? Um, you're just like, there's a significant personal investment that you make. Um, but you're still kind of struggling to actually do anything. So you're like, you know what? I need to educate myself. Maybe you take classes, you meet friends, you form, uh, you join a Facebook group, um, you create some social support around this new commitment because again, you're all in, right? And this is the emulation part. You begin to find and then associate yourself and your philosophy with people that are already doing this that you admire. So you find people and you're like, ooh, I like the way he does that. Ooh, I like her style, right? It's very inspiring to you and you want to do things like them. So you're like, that makes sense. I'm gonna imitate or emulate them. And so you start to become engaged and guess what? You start to create. And you begin to feel now the excitement that you recognized in discovery phase. You begin to internalize it and you start to make stuff. And you feel productive and you even feel successful. And you get to the point in this phase that, you're, that you recognize your own progress and you begin to tell other people. You're more willing to tell other people about it. Like, did you know I started scrapbooking, right? Or whatever it is. And you're like, I just want to show you what I made. And you, you do things to, um, to mark sort of your progress, right? So you might buy an album and you might start putting scrapbook pages in an album. Or you might start posting pictures, your photography, right? You might start sharing it on social media because you know, you begin to know what you're doing. You're emulating people who do it well. You're learning the skills. You're gaining the knowledge, the experience, right? Isn't that cool? Now, quick note before I talk to you about the next phase, okay? There's no time limit, right? For how long you might stay in one phase. And 
and there's no way really of actually prescribing. Like I can't meet someone and say, oh, hi, you know, oh, hi, Susie or Carolyn, you know? Yeah, oh yeah, I can see from what you've created that you're definitely in, right, emulation phase. That's not something that anyone else can tell you and it's pretty tricky to actually put yourself there. But again, you look for sort of the, what feels familiar and what you recognize in yourself, okay? Now the next phase is pretty exciting. It's called divergence. So this is where you're, you're still emulating people that you admire, you're reading their stuff and you're taking their classes and you love the, the programs that they create and the way they do things. Um, but in divergence phase, you begin to really find your own voice. You become more and more willing to share your work and your experiences. Even as you're emulating or imitating someone else, you share your experiences. Like for example, when I did this thing like so-and-so, this is what my experience was, right? I may have used um, this particular product line that's designed by this person that I admire, but this is how I adapted it to my situation and my story or whatever it is. So you find a groove, if you will, right? In, in your life and in your, it become, you become very possessive about what you're doing. It becomes your personal creative passion. And, um, and it's just super good. Like there's a lot of support in this thing and you can feel that it's enhancing your experience in life. So divergence is often marked by productivity, like extreme productivity. <laughs> So you're not so much following or learning anymore, but you're actually head down, hands on doing the work. And you start to, to recognize confidence in yourself and you start to do things in your own way. Maybe in the past you followed patterns or instructions and you're like, you know what? I don't even need to look at the instructions anymore. I've made this thing before or I've done this thing and I've actually figured out a way that works better for me. You're diverging away from, right, um, specific guidelines, if you will, and you're interpreting things through your own perspective. You might even begin to feel some friendly animosity for those that have taught you. After all, they aren't the only ones right, that can teach or share or inspire? Of course not. You begin to value your own personal interpretations and you desire, this is important, you desire some recognition for the unique and original things that you are thinking, writing, creating, sharing, right? You're like, hey, you know what? I need some followers. <laughs> I want people to see what I'm doing and recognize it as being unique and important and original. So as you extend yourself more, you may find others following you. And you might have a real desire to teach and to share with them where you've been, what you've learned, and what you're doing. So if in imitation phase, um, picture this in your mind, if in imitation phase you were sailing parallel to the shore, then in divergence phase, right, you turn and you sail away 
from the shore, at least a little bit, maybe a 45 degree angle, <laughs> okay? You experience what seems to be exponential growth as you learn to embrace your own work and your ability to share your work and to help and inspire other people. Sounds so great, doesn't it? So can you imagine how good the next step is? What, what, what the next phase might be? It's got to be amazing, right? Well, I don't know how familiar, familiar you are with curves. If you know anything about curves, sound waves, and all those kind of curves that we learn about in science, um, a curve goes up for a while, right? In any realm that you study, there is actually, in order for it to be a curve, it has to go up and then it has to flatten or begin to plateau, right? The incline has to flatten, otherwise it wouldn't be a curve. And that is very true with the personal curve or the, yeah, what I refer to and what Todd has taught me, the creative growth curve. So no one, you guys, can maintain full throttle enthusiasm all the time, right? Even at the peak of success in divergence, there are moments and days when you're like kind of bored, right? There's this feeling of boredom that, um, that is a result of you thinking, huh, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good at this now and I've been doing it a while and I'm confident and I'm just feeling a little bit stagnant, right? The feeling that, that what used to be so fun and invigorating and exciting all of the time has become a little bit like work, right? Even as you find recognition for your commitment and your contribution, there is a sense that something is missing, so this phase is actually called crisis. But don't worry, it's not that scary. <laughs> it is a critical phase, an important phase, because it is the phase where fear can set in and take a very strong hold. So let me explain. The cure for crisis is curiosity. Do you remember that quote? And I just stopped and looked it up. But there's that quote that says, the cure for boredom is curiosity. There is no cure for curiosity. And um, I think according to my quick internet research, the first time that quote appeared in print, it was in the Reader's Digest in December 1980. And it was attributed to Ellen Parr. Some people think Dorothy Parker said it. But that has yet to be confirmed. But anyway... The cure for crisis is curiosity. Okay, so in order to push through crisis in your own creative growth, you need to make time to feel curious. And the risk of curiosity is that you might end up somewhere new. You might discover, right, something you'd rather be doing or something you'd rather be focused on. You might discover another way of doing the things that you have become very comfortable doing. And so that's an uncomfortable place to be. It's an uncomfortable idea that you might have to let go of something that you love, that you're very good at, or at least let go of it 
um, in the way that you're used to doing it or loving it. Does that make sense? If you have found a way to work in your area of interest and you are indeed successful and perhaps you've even become a creative professional, then meeting a crisis head on and identifying your current curiosities and having the courage to pursue them at all costs is what you need to do. But again, there are opportunity costs. To move forward and discover a new growth curve, you have to be willing to change. And we all love to talk about change, but change can be really difficult, right? (laughs) You might have to change your support group. You might have to change your routine. You might have to essentially change your perspective, the way that you do things, the way that you teach things. So as I look back on my career in the paper crafting industry, in memory keeping, I realized that I have experienced numerous creative growth curves, right? I've survived periods of intense crisis, And then sometimes, at least sometimes, I've followed new curiosities and they become new discoveries. And I've had to kind of start over, right? And learn again and become the, yeah, the, the person who doesn't understand everything. I have to figure things out all over again, ask for help. But this is what I know for sure. Each time I start over, and this is the really exciting part, I start over with more confidence, more experience, and more willingness to take risks and make mistakes because I have more faith in the process. That's super good stuff. That's really interesting to know and to recognize and to act on. So... There is a critical point, right, between each of the phases of creative growth. And it is that point where you have to trust yourself. So to move from discovery into imitation or emulation, you have to trust that you are worth a new pursuit. And you have to trust that you will learn the things you need to learn. And that you will find or make the time, right? And create the capacity to add something to your life. You're worth it. You have to trust that. To move from imitation phase into divergence, you have to trust that you and your perspective are valuable. You have to stop wanting to be like somebody else and start wanting to be like you, You have to trust that others will find value in what you do. And you have to work hard to prove it. And you have to do a whole lot of thought work, right? Because your brain is going to push back hard as you desire to diverge and create your own platform, all right? To move from divergence into crisis You really have to trust yourself because you have to trust that you will find comfort and support and success 
again. You have to trust your intuition and your experience. And you have to love growth more than you love safety and security. Because safety and security are beautiful, but that's where boredom, right, shows up and says, we've done this for a really long time and it can ultimately lead to stagnation. So you have to decide, I love feeling uncomfortable and I love growing and learning new things. So I'm not sure how other creative professionals um, respond to nudges, right, that move us forward. But I am convinced, 100 convinced, 100%, how's that, convinced, (laughs) that everyone is inherently creative and that everyone, everyone can discover ways to not only express their creative interests and instincts, but to share their unique talents with the world. Everyone's perspective and work and creativity is valuable. It takes curiosity, you guys. Curiosity is the key. It takes humility and it takes hard work. But there is nothing as rewarding as doing what you love and sharing what you learn with others. Okay. I love you. Thanks for listening. Before I go, I've got a SpeakPipe message from Paige. Hi, Stacy. Congratulations on being a grandmother and happy birthday to exactly enough time. You asked us to tell you about a podcast that spoke to us to help you celebrate. And the show called Five Most Important Stories is by far my favorite. I've listened to the podcast three or four times now. The list of birth, love, faith, change, and challenge got me to thinking about what I want my family to know. My mother made me a scrapbook that only listed facts like addresses, dates, that type of thing. And I don't really know the stories of my early childhood. I called my mom to make plans for a get together so that she can tell me about me. I'm working on my love story right now and have plans to work on the others. So thanks to you, my family will get to know me a little bit better. Thank you, Stacy, so much. And happy birthday to exactly enough time. Bye. Paige, thank you for listening. I appreciate you all so very much. So, one more thing. One week from today, I will be teaching a class at Roots Tech, which is the world's largest family history conference in Salt Lake City, Utah. If you're not registered, it's not too late. If you're ready to discover something new and exciting that will absolutely boost your creative growth, sign up and come take classes and experience the excitement of family history, which is a perfect way to grow your love of storytelling. If you're like, 
okay, Stacy, it's a week away and I live nowhere near Salt Lake City, then I want you to visit rootstech.org and look at the schedule of classes that are free and broadcast online through their website. You can totally experience at least a portion of the excitement that is Roots Tech and you could enter a whole new discovery phase if you decide to get curious. I'll be teaching next Thursday morning, 9.30, an awesome class called Do Something With That Box. And I mean that box that's got everything shoved in it from your childhood, from your college years, from your mother's life, whatever it is. I have figured out what to do with it and I'm super excited to teach others. So either come see me next week, okay, at Roots Tech or come back for another episode of Exactly Enough Time.